No energy? Always fatigued? Has your got up and go got up and went? Primrose Leafs Pro Max 365 helps to produce natural energy, increase endurance and stamina, improve performance during exercise, reduce pain from fibromyalgia, and is excellent for cardiovascular support. A doctor-designed, deliciously berry-flavored formula that's great for ages 18 to 99. Order Pro Max 365 and get the natural energy you've always wanted. Call 844-376-0007. Refuel daily with Pro Max 365 and get your life back. War Hippies is a hot country duo with Scooter Brown and Donnie Rees. Both are decorated combat veterans. Now forming in 2022, each has enjoyed an extremely successful music career of their own. Now, despite receiving a full music scholarship to Miami University and after completing his sophomore year, Donnie Rees chose not to pursue a career in classical music. Instead, he enlisted in the U.S. Army and a year-long tour in Iraq at the height of Operation Iraqi Freedom from 04 to 05. And Donnie is also known as a world-renowned violinist who seemed to be born with a violin in his hands. Donnie's achievements include 26 Billboard Top 10s and four songs on the Billboard 200 chart. Then, after more than four years, two tours overseas with one tour of combat in Iraq as a United States Marine, Scooter Brown traded his guns in for guitars and hit the road. The Scooter Brown Band was formed and began playing mainly in and around Houston, Texas. They have toured North America and opened for some of the biggest influences, including Charlie Daniels Band, Travis Tritt, Dwight Yoakam, and even the Marshall Tucker Band, and that's just to name a few. While he also works with numerous organizations to promote awareness in the veterans community, and ladies and gentlemen, the War Hippies have become known for their stellar live performances, including tight harmonies and a brilliantly eclectic variety of songs. Their official music video of Killing It premiered on the Country Network and held the number one spot on the Top 40 chart and remained in the top five for over 20 weeks. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Donnie Rees and Scooter Brown, the war hippies themselves, to the show. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Yeah, that, 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 that was the best intro I've heard in a long time, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you guys absolutely deserve it. And uh, man, y'all are really making some amazing inroads, um, actually teaming up together. So how did you two meet? You want to take it, Scott, or you well, want me to do it? <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, so Donnie and I actually met at a um, at a video shoot for another artist very briefly. Um, somehow we started following each other on, on socials, and I had made a post about supporting veteran-owned businesses, and Donnie reached out and said, hey, you know, I'm a producer. I have a amazing uh, studio in East Nashville. You should come by and check it out. And I went down there for a hang, and uh, we uh, kind of just – hit it off from there so how did the war hippies come to be um so i had randomly invited donnie to come do a show that i was doing for a charity event at third and lindsley in nashville and it was kind of funny because he'd, ne he'd never heard me play before and i'd never heard him play the violin i was like i hope this knuckle dragger knows how to play this thing you know <laughs> and uh so we get there and, and he goes well what songs are we playing? And I was like, ah, I don't know. He's like, do you have a key structure or anything? He's like, I was like, no, nah, I just like to wing it. He's like, all right, cool. So we go out there, we play our four songs and uh, we got a two minute standing ovation and we'd never rehearsed, never played together. And our wives came backstage and we're like, what was that? <laughs> and uh, after that, it was like, yeah, maybe we should do something with this. 
<laughs> well, Donnie, was that a magical moment? It was a magical moment for sure. Um, and he's not lying. We literally had never, I'd never heard him. Um, you know, I was literally reaching out from the, from the veteran standpoint, uh, just trying to make a friend. And, uh, you know, when he, when he invited me and we went and played, it was, uh, you know, he really just, we, we had no idea and it, it hit in, uh, you know, when, when, when lightning strikes, you got to take advantage of it. And, uh, it's, you know, the rest has kind of just been falling in place very serendipitously, uh, ever since then. Well, so how did you come up with the name war hippies? That was actually Scott's idea. He had, he had been interviewed and he, he can tell you this, but he'd been interviewed and in, uh, was it people magazine or Rolling Stone people? Yeah. People, people magazine. It, and he, he it, I think it opened up with self-proclaimed war hippie scooter Brown. And, uh, we were driving back from a show. We had just opened for Tracy Lawrence down in Alabama and we were in the sprinter van on the way back, him and I, he goes, Hey man, I got this idea for a voice. Like if I ever found like another combat veteran, anybody that would play, he's like, I've got this idea for a duo called war hippies. He's like, what do you think? And I was like, Sounds pretty cool, you know. So we ended up just like uh, adopting it and, and and going with it, and uh, and yes, it's been awesome. Well, you know, for all of my viewers and listeners out there, and 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 I have to be very very thankful for my viewers and listeners because they're very supportive of our military veterans. They're very supportive of our police officers. But since both of you did tours in Iraq, can you kind of give all of us your personal experience as to what a day in the life is like for a military combat soldier, you know, doing a tour in Iraq, for example. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because it, uh, that story is different for everybody. Um, you know, even from 03 to 04 and 04 to 07, uh, the things that changed um, for the military, um, you know, for me, I can just speak directly on on my end of it was uh, I was in the invading force. Um, so we went over um, to Kuwait, did workups, and then we invaded in March um, uh, through the south and took the like Umkasar um, uh, Naval Port. We we're in Basra, the Battle of Nazaria, um, the Jessica Lynch mission, like all that stuff was like my timeline. Um, so for us, um, you know, we, we never had a bed to sleep in. We never, we slept on the ground uh, for the first couple of weeks, you know, we were one meal and one liter of water a day because supply couldn't get to us quick enough. Um, but we were just living out in the desert. And honestly, I loved it. Um, I, I, I had this archaic feeling of like, I was riding with Genghis Kong, you know, just across, I think that some of us just have that archaic uh, uh feeling like that that's where we're supposed to be in that moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, very little sleep, uh, a little food and a lot of energy. How was the stress level? Uh, you know, it's funny, like looking back on it, obviously there was very stressful moments, but I think that when you're 22 and young, you, you just don't think that you don't have that in your head yet that like, that's going to happen to you. Like you're invincible. Uh, looking back on it now, I'm going like, man, <laughs> after having four kids and being married, you know, like looking back on it going, Oh, that, that was pretty intense. But, uh, but yeah, obviously uh, stressful. Um, but, uh, you know, you're not going to hear too many guys say this. I mean, war is hell and I don't wish it. I, I'm, I'm for peace over war every day. Um, but 
there's there's some something about it that is also um that i liked about it that's the best way i could say it well you're you're serving our country you're fighting for our freedom and uh, i think that probably gives you the, the, the greatest uh sense of satisfaction and gentlemen i for one thank you for your service and donnie what was it like for you um well it's different than scott you know i so you know scott was uh you know uh lar marines uh i was uh, in a in a large-scale engineer battalion with the u.s army um so i got there in february of 2004 so we had really kind of uneventful um in february and march um we had some 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 stuff happen some combat patrols and then um easter sunday 2004 um it really kind of hit the fan uh they like to that's when they like to kind of pop up and hit us and uh so from that point on i think they were regrouping because because scott and all the guys came in and, and and made them tuck tail and run into the into the woods so they regrouped and uh and came back out and you know, I was, you know, being being in a large uh, engineer battalion, we would we would do um, just a lot of combat patrols. We did uh, a lot of building, uh, a lot of uh, infrastructure work on uh, roadways, runways, a lot of security details. Just a lot of um, very very rea very reactive. Um, you know, we weren't, uh, but 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 very much involved in a lot of different things. The Battle of uh, Najaf in uh, two thousand four, and you know, a lot of other things, and you know, in and around that at times. So, uh, definitely a different, a different experience, but just as equally, you know, it's, 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 it's stressful, but, you know, like, just like Scott said, um, you know, look, like, like he, 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 he hit the nail on the head when you're 22, 23 years old, you don't even think about that. You know, he, he went into 22, I was 23. We was exactly the same age, actually, and, and uh, just a year later. Um, but, uh, you know, you're not even thinking about that at that time. Looking back now, I'm like, holy crap, I am so lucky to be alive. Um, that was, that was some crazy, crazy, crazy nonsense we were doing. And, and uh, but, uh, uh, but, but at the same time, very, very proud of it. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the day to day in the civilian world is completely different, obviously. And so, um, but yeah, that's it. I hope I, I hope I, I said that properly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've talking to many veterans, I've talking to recording artists who have a veteran background, um, and the stories are all different, but I am, I, I'm thankful, my viewers and listeners are thankful that both of you have come out uh, out of that and um, you've got the experience. But let's talk about some music here because for you, Donnie, after reading your story, I was kind of curious, you had a full music scholarship from Miami uh -huh. University. If you had graduated, do you think your career would be any different than it is now? Well, first off, I don't think there was a chance I was going to graduate. Um, I was I, the only reason I went to school. I was the first. I was the first person with the last name Reese to ever go to college, um, in my entire family lineage, um, and it really was because of music. First semester was fantastic. Uh, first year was fantastic. I had you know I had like a three point six GPA, which is incredible. Um, the uh and then but but then uh my sophomore year they implemented an attendance policy and they said that if you didn't show up to class you couldn't you you know and, and i would and and it, it just went downhill from there i was like i don't need to be here i just need to take the test and the uh so uh that didn't that didn't work well so i was really kind of everybody was shocked with me when 
when um, when 9-11 happened because for me, I was, you know, I felt excited. Um, obviously terribly sad for, for the moment and, and that moment in history and, and sad for all the people and, and aggravated, but at the same time as a, as a person excited uh, because I got a chance to, I got a chance to, to quit college and not look like an idiot. You know, I had something honorable to do and I got to get out of school. So I was like, whoa, yes. You know, well, what, what did your parents think when you oh, they thought I was crazy? Everybody thought I was crazy. Everyone thought I was absolutely nuts. You know, because, you know, and, and we you know, grew up in an environment, especially, you know, in 99, when I graduated high school, you know, it was it was to get into Miami University was, a, you know, it still is. It was a prestigious thing. And to get into Miami University as a, you know, uh, a, a middle class blue collar kid who, uh, you know, that that wasn't really what we did. <laughs> and and then also to get a full scholarship was uh, was a was a, you know, a monumental task for myself and for my whole family. So, um ultimately everyone was very proud of, of, of me and my service. And there's a lot of military in my family. So ultimately everyone was very proud, but at the time they were, everybody was just like this, you're absolutely nuts. This is crazy, but it was, it was already done. I, I didn't tell anybody until after I did it. Well, well, Scooter, why, why did you enlist? Man, uh, that was just something that I knew I was going to do since I was a kid. Um, <clears throat> probably 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh, I grew up in Colorado. Uh, I love just being up in the mountains, and I played uh, baseball and and did rodeo and stuff like that. And uh, you know, baseball was something that I would, I'd kind of wanted to pursue, but I just knew that um, that that this was my calling. Uh, it's actually a pretty funny story because when I initially joined the service, I went to go join the army, and uh, I watched too many uh, Rambo movies, wanting to be a Green Beret or or, or a Ranger or something, and uh, I get to the recruiting office and this recruiter comes out just not the best specimen in the army could have, uh, could have had be a recruiter. Uh, you know, he kind of came out, had a little bit of a belly on him. His uniform was all messed up, smoking a cigarette and he forgot I was coming. And, uh, he's like, Oh, you know, I'll be back in 15 minutes. Just take a seat on the curb here and I'll, you know, and I'll, and I'll get you back. So I'm sitting on the curb and the door opens behind me and out comes this, marine in this like perfect uniform dude jacked like just perfection and he he said uh he said what are you doing i said i'm waiting on the army guy he goes you want to look like that dirt bag you want to look like this and i was like i want to look like that and he goes step into my <laughs> office and i joined the marine corps before that dude got back <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i i love it and, and i have to say this you could probably play stallone's body double so you, you got the Rambo look down. So, uh, and, and it's working for you. It's working for you. So when did the music bug hit you? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I've always loved music. Um, I've always had a fascination with music, but I never had anybody around me that was musical. Um, I actually started writing like uh, Western poetry, uh, when I was in, in high school. Um, and, you know, I did the rodeo thing. I rode bulls and did some bareback. But, you know, I'm, you know, now I was a lot skinnier back then, but, you know, I'm 6'3", 220 pounds. Uh, was it the best ideal uh, size for uh, rough stock riders? Um, but I love just the rodeo and the Western uh, story. So I started writing these poems without, like, telling anybody about it. And uh, when I joined the Marine Corps, when I got to the fleet, there was a guy walking by. 
he was a new guy wearing a cowboy hat and had a guitar in his hand. And I was like, you know how to play that thing? And he's like, I know a few chords. I said, man, will you show me? So I became obsessed with it. I, I'd steal his guitar and take it to my room about every day. And finally he said, go get your checkbook. You need to go get your own guitar. And I just became obsessed with it. So I, I learned, you know, probably started dabbling with it when I was about 19, 20 years old um, in the Marine Corps. And it's ultimately the reason why I got out. Um, I had every intention on doing 20 plus years and retiring. Um, but I got this, the bug in, in, my, in me and I said, man, I don't want to ever look back and wonder if I could have done something with this. Um, man, so, I, I've got yeah. to hand it to you for that. Now, well, for both of you, when you got out of the surface service, how did you end up in the music industry? Um, well, for me, uh, uh, let's see. Well, for me, the, I, I just went back. Uh, the first thing I did is um, I started uh, leading worship at my wife's church in Ohio. Um, she went to a big, like a big mega church. I, mean, I didn't even know what that was. I was raised Catholic. So that was all new to me. Um, but they had, you know, guitars and people, you know, it's, it's a, a big production. So I started doing that. And then I got into, um, uh, a gospel band and, uh, we toured that for three years and that was very successful. Um, and then, uh, went from that, got out of, um, that went into the singer songwriter world, uh, toured around, did all that for years out of Knoxville. And then um, uh, from there, moved into uh, the kind of the big country world with the front men. And uh, then, you know, and then got really, and then during the whole time, got into the, got, got into producing and I had a mentor teach me how to build my first little studio, uh, which was, a, which was a Yamaha keyboard and iMac and, uh, and, and, you know, two speakers. And I didn't even know how to use microphones yet. I didn't know what preamps were or anything. I just knew how to compose on a keyboard and play. And so, <laughs> so I did all that and then, uh, eventually ended up, you know, and that, that, that's how I got back into it. And then, and, and then, you know, I've gone and the, just, just the natural evolution over, uh, since, you know, 2007 to, to now, um, has just been, you know, now I have a beautiful studio in Nashville and, and, uh, produce records in my off time and, and toured with Scott and I've been, been around the world and, and toured with my heroes. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So who have you toured with? Oh my goodness. So the first, the first band I got in when I was out was called champion. It was a black gospel band. That one, uh, we did really good on that. That actually, that uh, record we put out had uh, two number ones on three number one records, uh, which was, which was really cool. Um, I think actually peaking in, in for multiple weeks on, I think to the top 25 in the billboard 200, which was a, which is a big accomplishment um, for, for, you know, five broke kids out of Dayton, Ohio. Um, and then uh, moved on from that to touring with a singer songwriter named Eric Baker. So then we would tour, we would do like that, the songwriter boats, uh, like uh, Kayamo and the rock boat and uh, things like that. So that would, that would kind of get us in the circles with Brandy Carlisle and all those people. Uh, and then, uh, went on um, from that. Uh, and then we actually did some MWR tours together. We toured uh, pretty extensively with Edwin McCain opening for him. And then after that, I went to um, the Frontman and I did five years with the Frontman, which are lead singers of uh, Restless Heart, Lone Star, and Little Texas. Uh, Tim, Tim uh, Rushlow, Larry Stewart, and Richie McDonald. Uh, we also did MWR tours with them for the troops. So then uh, after that, I took, I, I literally, uh, um, Took a hiatus, built my studio, was sitting there getting fat, eating too many Uber Eats. And then Scott came along and, and uh, 
now I'm, you know, back at it. Well, so Scott, so you ended up starting the <laughs> Scooter Brown band and you toured around Houston. That's my area right here. So uh, how did that, how did you end up in Houston? Uh, so two of my best friends in the Marine Corps were from the, the spring Texas uh, Conroe area. And uh, so I ended up moving when I left the Marine Corps, I moved down to Texas with, with a couple of my buddies. Uh, you know, I'm from Colorado, but there was a, there was just an amazing music scene that I had discovered in the Marine Corps because pretty much 80% of the Marine Corps, I'm pretty sure is from Texas. Um, and uh, so I fell in love with this music cause I'd never heard anything like it. And the whole, the Texas red dirt stuff, um, you know, I think back in 2000, uh, to actually 2001, I was on my first deployment and one of my friend's mom sent out a, uh, a Pat Green, a Corey Morrow and a Jason Bolin album. And I was like, dude, this is, it's rough around the edges. It's storytelling. I love this. So, um, and I didn't know nothing about music or getting into it. And I didn't have the guts yet to even think about going to Nashville. And, um, but yeah, so I went down to Texas and, uh, just with my friends, I didn't have family down there. Um, and we just, we started it. I literally started doing open mic nights, um, hosting them, doing acoustic shows, eventually put a band together, um, and then put out a single and an album in 2009. Um, and so I was working jobs like construction, offshore, doing music, um, having kids, um, uh, and then in 2009, I told my wife, I said, uh, I either need to focus on work or I need to focus on music because I'm just burning the candle at both ends and I, I can't do both. Um, and so she made a deal with me. She said, if you can line up enough music for three months out, that is the same that you're getting paid right now with what you're doing. She's like, you can, you can do music. She said, but the minute that you fall off of that, you go back to work. And I was like, I'll give it a shot, you know, and it's been my full-time job since 2009. Um, That's so a smoking I, I got, hot deal right there. You, you yeah, got a great uh, wife to, to, to say yes to that. Yeah, we both, we both have, I mean, I've been together with my wife for 18 years. Donnie's I think around 20, um, which is pretty rare in the music business um, in general, especially veterans and music. Like it's pretty much two worst things you can get married to. I think sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <good. laughs> But uh, I got hooked up down there with in, in Texas. Uh, I st- kind of started off with uh, uh, Cody Johnson and um, Josh Ward. I wrote Josh's first number one. Um, I wrote uh, one of Cody's big hits, Texas Kind of Way, um, with him. And um, uh, just kind of got in that scene. And for me, I had been down there doing it for about 10 years. And I just kind of got real tired. I was getting worn out. Just And, and I had ambition to do more of a, a, a of a national thing and not so much of a regional like you know 80 percent of shows were in texas and then i'd pop up to colorado nebraska wyoming montana but pretty much the everything was in texas and my wife and i were actually considering like uh, me kind of getting out of it and moving i wanted to go back up to the mountains either montana or colorado and I'd just find an acoustic circuit, still put music out, kind of just do my own thing. And uh, Charlie Daniels uh, discovered me, uh, his his manager. And uh, so I started going back and forth 
to Nashville and Texas and uh, they kind of took me under their wing and I and, and then one day I asked my wife I said what do you what do you think if we should just move out here and she said so won't you call David Corlew who's Charlie's manager and ask him what he thinks and he said son if you're going to play the game you got to be where the game is played and yeah. six weeks later we packed up four kids and all the pets and uh moved to moved to Tennessee uh, you know, I, I have talked to so many people who live uh, in Nashville, work in the music industry, and I've got to say it over and over again, it is one of the best communities uh, for musicians and recording artists. So many connections, everybody is supportive, and you can't beat that. And uh, But let's talk about your debut album, the self-titled War Hippies. You had the debut single, Killing It, and then The Hangman. Uh, and I love the album because I've listened to it over and over again. I can literally see The Hangman becoming a movie. The The song has a very cinematic feel to it. Was that the target? Uh, yeah, we, um, well, as soon as he, he Scott came, Scott came into the studio and he, he, he had, he had, almost the whole chorus I, it was pretty much i mean if, if not the whole chorus, he had almost the whole course there might have been like one word missing from it or something we we moved around and uh and it clicked immediately and 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 immediately we sat down and we just started brainstorming ideas for a story and i think we wrote that song in 20 minutes and uh yeah. it's it just because we, you know, it's like, you know, two guys are huge fans of Westerns and all stuff. And we're, you know, it's like, yes. And, yeah. and then, uh, and I could hear this as, as, as we were working on it. Immediately, I could hear this. Oh, Donnie, this darkness. <laughs> no, I'll, 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 he'll come back in, I'll, but go ahead, go, go ahead, uh, Scott. Yeah, I'll cut in for him. Um, so yeah, the, the cinematic thing, like, I don't know that it was deliberate at first, but as soon as we started in on it, it was like in the production of it. So we, you know, it's one thing that the song, like in its raw form of acoustic. Um, but then when we, when we started recording it, Donnie is, he, him and I are very, very differently musically because he has the educational background. I honestly don't know what chords I'm playing half the time or couldn't even tell you what key I'm in. I just, I learn by ear. I wing it like, um, and, but that's what gets my own sound. But Donnie has this musical brain that in his head, he hears everything and it just makes sense. And so he will, he'll get in that studio and um, he will just start laying parts over parts over parts and like he, he doesn't write them out he just does them in his head like he just kind of comes up with it and then as this thing was building it just it was the same thing it was like this is a movie like this is a cinematic movie that like so we actually have a, a vision of it won't be the next album but maybe the third or fourth album of doing a project that's uh that's based around the hangman like the the entire story of the hangman and the sheriff and their lives leading up to that moment and then there'll be an ending song that tells what what happens at the end um because basically the storyline of the hangman is that 
when it says you might have got it wrong if the hangman cries, that he realizes that um, they pull a bag off her head and realizes that it's his daughter that he's about to have to hang. And so there's kind of a, if you listen to the end of it, there's kind of like, um, or at least in the, in the video that we did, there's like horses, two, two shots, uh, gunshots and horses riding off. So basically, you know, he's going to end up doing some Clint Eastwood stuff and, and, and we'll see what happens from there. But yeah, we're going to do this whole album just based off of all these characters in the hangman. Yeah. See, to me, that's why it seemed like a, a perfect, uh, storyline for a movie. And to, to, to think that the, to think that the executioner is about to hang somebody and not knowing who it is and then finding out, you're kind of wondering, will he pull the lever or will he not? You right. know? And, uh, and then, that's yeah, chilling. And just, like the, the sheriff and all the people involved, like they all have backstories that are going to lead them all into this moment. You know, um, it, it, it's kind of funny because over COVID, you know, with basically uh, being voluntold to retire for a couple of years in the music business. Um, I really fell in love with the idea of telling a story through video. Uh, rhyming words is awesome, but I've been rhyming words to music for a long time. And sometimes it's just like, I want to tell a story even more vividly. Um, and that's why I think it's what's so cool about the, uh, the idea of the hangman and, and everything that goes along with that. And so I want to talk about another song on the amazing album for war hippies, making it out alive. Um, was that song kind of based on an experience from, uh, Iraq? Yeah. Um, I wrote that. I wrote that song a long time ago. Um, and I actually released it under scooter Brown band, um, uh, it, it never really got the traction I was hoping it, it would. Um, but basically it was, it was a promise that I'd made uh, like, man, if I make it out here alive, I'm going to uh, go try to be the best man I possibly can. I'm going to uh, just be a productive member of society. And, and that, that has kind of evolved even more. And it's part of Donnie and I's um, uh, kind of creed with war hippies is one of the things that we want to do is bring, you know, being veterans, uh, combat veterans, is uh, it's a part of our story, but we're still artists, we're still creators, and the music comes first um, with that. Um, the veteran piece is just a piece of the story. But we also want to bring uh, light to veterans' issues, but also be, um, be a, um, an example of going to war, coming back, and then going out into the world and being successful. Because we have, unfortunately, you know, we've been talking about this for so many years, the 22, um, you know, suicide in our community is just out of control. Um, but I think that a lot of times we come, we come back and we get lost in, you know, pills or, you know, booze or whatever, and, and we don't have anything to fight for or look forward to. Um, but with that being said, that the, the veteran that, that has been kind of the story, it's always been like a, I want to say poor, poor, pitiful veteran story, you know, like the, the sad dog commercials kind of thing. 
but that's a lot of times what it feels like. And um, there's a lot of successful veterans and combat veterans. And I want those stories to be told so that guys can be like, wait a minute, I can do that too. Like I can come home and start a company and be an entrepreneur or be an artist or be an actor, or be a, in the music business or become a doctor or, and do have ways to give back in that aspect. Um, and I, I agree so, with so that. It's, it's an extremely important song to us because that's what that stands for. And, and you bring up something that all of America needs to realize. And, and, and I kind of, I would, I would lay blame. Now there's some great organizations out there helping veterans, but you know, when you're watching television, most of the things that we see are veterans that have been wounded. Uh, and, and it seems to be the picture. It seems to be the label. I love what you just said. People need to realize that when we look at our veterans now, that they're not just wounded. They can be success, successful. They are talented. They have skills. They have gifts. They have abilities. And those need to be brought forth because it is uh, not only an amazing community, these men and these women, just like you, fought for our country, fought for our freedom. Many of them shed blood for this nation, and they're being disrespected. To me, the greatest thing that we can give them is to say, hey, you can be a successful business person. You can be a doctor. You can be a dentist or, or whatever it is, and not just being labeled as, oh, you've been injured you're disabled. Just mm -hmm. because you lost the limb didn't mean you lost your gifts, talents, and abilities because they're still there. And Scott, man, I'm glad you brought that up because there's something right there that uh, needs to be seriously addressed to our veteran communities because they are great men and women. And uh, man, we're going to have to figure out what, how to take what you just said and make it happen because something needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. You Johnny, two, what you, was, you two can do it. What was, what was the, the whole, uh, it's the whole thing. Donnie, what was the uh, the the term that what was it Travis Mills uh, said this past weekend at the Armed Forces Bowl? He's a recalibrated veteran, not disabled. He's a recalibrated veteran. Yeah, and, and, he, and, he, and he lost all four limbs. Like, yeah, he's he's a, a one of the few quads that, that are out there from combat, and this dude had one of the most amazing. Uh, uh, looks at life and just energetic and positive and gave one of the coolest speeches I've heard in a long time. Um, you you got to look this guy up. He'd be awesome to talk to on your show. Um, but it, when he said, he goes, I'm a recalibrated veteran. I was like, boy, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's that, cool, man. That is it. And, and, and back to your album, because there was, there was something that shocked me impressed me but smack dab in the middle of this record is 59 seconds of amazing grace what was the idea behind that we had uh so we were playing um make it out alive and uh you know one of the reasons that that make it out alive really hit me so much not just from from the experience but when when uh, I was dating, you know, my wife Christy, when when I was in Iraq, and I had to send an email to her dad because I wanted to propose to her when I came home on leave, and I literally opened up the email with, "If I make it out of here alive, I want to marry your daughter," 
And uh, and so it really hit me. And we were playing it one night, and he he just he played it, and without thought or without anything, I just went into Amazing Grace, and it just fit perfectly. He plays the song in G. I used to always play Amazing Grace on the violin in G, and we just went right into it, and it fits perfectly. And uh, the only other time we've changed that is we we were we were playing a show on Memorial Day one time. And I played taps afterwards. And uh, I told him, I said, we can't do that anymore because I could barely get through it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get through taps. I was like, I was choking up and crying and, 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 and you know, thinking about all that. But, but, but Amazing Grace, and Amazing Grace is just such a, uh, it's such, a, Amazing Grace is such a song that fits so perfectly behind that song because it is a song of um, redemption and hope and and it really is you know it, it really speaks to a person who it, it speaks to the person who's in absolute dire straits and 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 that in that that grace that is out there and that hope and that redemption and that 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 promise for tomorrow and for the future and for and and, and that's that's really what make that alive is and that's it's just perfect and and we need more of that anyways because people have stopped doing that yeah uh and that, that, that brings me to two points, and you brought up both of them. I was sitting here the other day listening to every song on the album, and I was, I was making the first pass through the album, and Amazing Grace came on. And I stopped, and I went, and it took me a couple of seconds to realize that you were playing Amazing Grace because... When you're playing it on the violin and the and the way that you were playing it, taps popped into my head first mm-hmm. <laughs> before Amazing Grace. And then I went, wait a minute, that's not taps. And I, when I turned and, and the title said Amazing Grace, I went, that's Amazing Grace. But it had this taps feel to it. Was that on purpose? Uh, it's it it just it's just the way that it comes out. Um that's what you know it, it 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 is i'm i'm playing for you know uh all of our fallen brothers and sisters from I'm, but I'm, I'm praying for um people who are who are who are considering you know uh you know for all our brothers and sisters who are considering suicide who are having a hard place and that that's really there it's it's almost one and the same so so the sentiment of taps comes out through that song um, and, and so you get that sentiment of taps, but taps is, is more, is more of a, of a, of a, a final send off where amazing grace is, 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 you know, you have that, you have that feeling of that final send off, but you're, but you're, you're left with this, you, you know, it's not over. I'm not done. Exactly. Now, one of the songs on the album really caught my attention and I had to, I had to back up to the past, but you have the song Promises on the album, which I remember from Randy Travis's album, Old 8x10. The song today is still timeless. Now, why did you choose it for the album? Um, so I've, I've been a huge Randy Travis fan since I can remember. Um, and that was a song that just always hit me. Even when I was young, falling asleep i'd listen to the old eight by ten album like i just that's what i listened to and uh uh 
about 10 years ago, uh, I happened to become really good friends with Randy Travis. And uh, Randy's been a big supporter of War Hippies and his wife, Mary. Um, and uh, it's just a song that I, that I always wanted to do. And, and honestly, they invited us to do a uh, the, the Randy Travis, the music of Randy Travis that has James Dupre um, singing it. And Randy and Mary sit up on stage. Well, they invited us to be guest artists to come do um, a, sa- a song at a couple shows. And I pitched it, that one as the song that I'd like to do because I felt like it would feel good with just me and Donnie on an acoustic guitar and a violin. And, uh, and then when we put, worked it up, Donnie and I were talking and we're like, man, we should, we should just cut this. Like it's, it's such a good song. And, uh, we sent it to Randy and Mary and they sent us a text back and said, uh, that they were just loved the, the rendition of it. And that most of all that they believed us. Uh, so like that, that's, in country music, you know, like when you believe that that the words that are coming out of the mouth are, are are real, like, and for Randy to to say that he believed it was just like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> well, you know, and to me, that's the greatest thing about any song is if if the artist knows how to sell it, to live the song, to have the emotion pour out. And of course, country music is still the best genre when it comes to emotion and, and selling a song. And, um, and I think Dolly Parton's probably taught everybody how to do that amongst, mm-hmm. you know, many others, but yeah, both of you, what I loved about promises and I went back and, and was listening to all the other songs, uh, even listening to, uh, the, uh, Oh, Holy night that both of you had done, both of your voices just really mesh well together. Yeah. That's very. That's it's, that's a, that's another serendipitous thing. Uh, yeah. uh, I think Scott's wife, I, when when we were first uh, working on the record, and I think it was Oh Holy Night. Um, we put that mm-hmm. together, and she asked him if she asked him if he was harmonizing with himself. Yeah, I was um, like, no, that's Donnie, and she's like, you're kidding me. She's like, it sounds <laughs> like you're like you're harmonizing with your, yourself, and like, and it's just rare, like, to get like two voices that just mesh like that. It's like family, family harmonies. Um, it's hard to beat a family harmony. And, you know, and for some reason, like I'm not the greatest harmony singer in general, but when I sing them, I mean, and I can do my own stuff, but like when I sing on Donnie's stuff, when uh, on um, uh, uh, Believer, um, I was singing the harmonies on that. And it's like, it's the same thing. It's like, dude, this is, they mesh so good together. Uh, it's well, awesome. I mean, both of your voices, you know, it, it's all, and, and I agree with your wife. I swear. I mean, it's almost like both of you almost have the same voice, but it works well, you know, and for, I mean, for Nashville, I mean, if you ever need to look up the, the King of Harmony, Barry Gibb lives in Nashville. So oh, <laughs> if you yeah. need pointers on that one, he's the guy to talk to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and who knows? Um, I bet y'all could pull off some BG songs pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best thing about it is that it sounds just as good live as it does on the album. So, uh, you know, that's one thing that we're really proud of is that our live show, um, is for just a couple guys and you know we have percussion on a lot of our full stuff um uh, we don't even use like a full kit but like our live show for 
three guys up on stage is just a huge sound. Um, and Donnie rips the violin as flawless as the album and the vocals, everything like it's just it's a uh, it's just as good or I think it's better live because you just get that energy and that Donnie and I feed off each other and there's a lot of smiling and fist bumping going on and we just have a good time. Well, I think the fans appreciate the fact that when they do listen to an album and then when they go see their their favorite acts live, to me, the greatest compliment is to come back and go, wow, they sounded just like the album. And to mm, me, yeah. and, and I think that's why a lot of bands, you know, maybe sh- uh, should take that into account and really tighten up the playing a bit because the fans notice it. You know, they're the biggest oh, yeah. critics. The biggest thing they're going to notice is uh, auto-tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not mentioning any names, but uh, they sound great on the album. But but in but live, somebody's really off there. So, (laughs) but for you know, but again, the album is absolutely fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen, the War Hippies, you got to get the album. Self entitled. You're gonna love every single song. And Donnie, one there's one thing I absolutely agree with you. And I've told this to other recording artists that kind of do the same thing by putting in a gospel song on the album, you know, back in the day, in the 50s, the 60s, into the 70s, you know, the last song on the album was always a gospel song. And I like to see that coming back. And then, but I found it so refreshing to see Amazing Grace dead center of that album. It was almost kind of like this uh, short little 59 second break. And then picked it right back up with some great songs right after that. Um, so for each of you, what's 2023 looking like? Busy. Already uh, very busy. We are, uh, it, we're, uh, we're back out with, uh, with uh, Travis Tritt, a bunch. Um, and uh, just, I mean, this, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy um, how uh busy we already are for you know after just year one so should be a good year oh man fantastic now real quick from both of you uh tell us about uh particular involvements that you have with uh particular uh veteran charities and organizations um well i've got a a 501c3 that i started um a co-found about uh, i think we're at 13-ish years ago or so um, called Base Camp 40 Warriors in the Wild, um, where we take uh, veterans on hunting and fishing trips. And, um, and it, it's been opened up now to all um, uh, all veterans. We're opening up stuff to first responders, Gold Star families. Um, and then we also do a lot with um, a lot of different organizations, but once that, that Donnie has gotten us involved in, um, is um uh SOTF. SOTF. Yeah, we, yeah we work we work a lot with SOTF which is a uh, special operators transition foundation so we do um uh just just uh, all of your um your special operators from your army green berets to your navy seals to your special aviators to uh you know your your air force combat controllers and pjs things like that um and uh and it's basically a transition foundation so um, what we do is we, we run them through a program and they, uh, um, they come out and 
with a with a very high success rate of uh, very good jobs transitioning straight from their ETFs their retirement into the civilian world and they're back to work and they're contributing and it, it it's it's tremendously uh, helpful. Oh, wow, gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor. And ladies and gentlemen, to become a fan, and I will promise you this, you will be a fan of the War Hippies. So you need to head over to warhippies.com for all of their concert tickets. And they're coming to your area. They're coming to mine. So, and I've got to get my tickets to the show as well. And what do we do on the show? We buy the album. We buy the merch. And let me tell you something. The War Hippies has some fantastic merch. They got the coolest t-shirts. They even got hoodies. So you need to stock up because when they come to your town, you got to wear the gear and, and go to that concert because you're going to see some very tight playing from Donnie Reese and Scooter Brown. You're going to absolutely love the War Hippies. Take it from me. Hey, when I say someone is great, I mean it from the bottom of my heart because, hey, I listen to the albums over and over again. And gentlemen, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you having us out and, and exposing us to all your people. Hey, absolutely. And again, ladies and gentlemen, head over to warhippies.com. It's on the bottom of your screen. And as for me, you better stay tuned because I'll be back with more. <laughs>